because you're going to get to the top of the mountain and there's going to be another mountain. You're going to have to go down. You're going to have to go back up again. There is no top and there is no stop. And that to me is really important. That was game changing in my career. And frankly, in my life, when you just, whatever you're doing, just fall in love with that process. And that is what will drive you. Welcome to Unmiss, your go-to digital marketing hub. I'm Anatoly Ulatovsky, here with expert tips and exclusive chats to boost your online game. Let's get started. Hello, good people. Welcome to our show. Hello, bad people. Welcome to our show. Hello, welcome. Today we are going to discuss more about marketing secrets. I have no idea if marketing secrets exist, but probably anything can exist uh, for me. You can acquire experience. You can craft your skills and get results. And it's the main secret, patience, <laughs> bringing value, something new, stand out from the rest, but many different insights. I'm so excited to discuss a lot more with Brian Chidester. How are you? I'm great, man. How are you doing? Doing great. Looking forward to learn more about marketing secrets. Brian, I know about your experience, extended experience, great experience. Tell our audience more about your about background if someone doesn't know you but they will follow you after this podcast yeah i think i mean the the main thing to know about me is my entire background essentially in the public sector so what does that mean it means working with government organizations around the world educu educational institutions around the world um, trying to help them understand what technologies can be kind of uh, brought into their ecosystem and uh and do better for their citizens, their residents of their country, of their, of their locality. So that's, that's generally what I like to do. And one of the things that when I talk to people about my background and my story, um, really I'm, I'm a marketer at heart, but one of the things that I really focus on and, uh, and maybe this is one of the, one of the secrets we can get into is kind of the, the focus around strategy and becoming a subject matter expert in the field that you are working in that you love. I think that's something that um, over the past five, six years, I've really tried to latch onto and as such has given me um, such greater depth and some of the things that I can bring to market for the companies that I work for. So um, right now I'm working at a company called SoCure and we are the industry leader in digital identity. So anybody listening who engages with their government on different services, whether it's filing taxes or whether it's um, during the pandemic, unemployment insurance was a big uh, a big headline across a lot of different uh, newspapers. Um, we are the identity layer for uh, some of the more major states across the United States, as well as uh, federal government agencies uh, to support and mitigate fraud. And uh, I'm really excited to be part of this team because it's a really hot technology, um, really mainstream topic. And that's as a marketer, you can't ask for more than that, right? To be relevant and to have something that you really believe in. So. Um, I'm, I'm loving what I'm doing. I'm loving being in this field and um, gets me excited about things. As you can tell in the passion in my voice. Nice. Yeah. I think without love, it's better to find something else. If you hate your job and according to data, 70% of people hate their jobs, unhappy. And uh, for me, it's better to leave it uh, and you will never regret just leave find something else. Many things you can do uh, and don't force yourself to some common thinking or your parents, friends can tell you what you need to do. It's your life. <laughs> do what, what, what you like. Uh, Brian, uh, I want to ask about uh, why governments 
wanna cooperate with people experts like you what kind of value can you bring to different governments i mean like uh, in most cases uh, they just uh, i don't know uh, provide something new uh, and uh, how marketers can help government i mean like to market uh, new initiatives or anything else like that yeah so i think that question is actually it's probably a bigger question than you realize which is um how can the private sector commercial industry mm -hmm. support government right i think oh, okay i look i look at it as it, there is very much a responsibility it's not just an opportunity but it's a responsibility to help inform and educate um people uh within the, with the within the public sector to make sure we're bringing best uh practice commercial use cases uh to help them kind of support their their residents you asked how a marketer can help, right? And I think that's yeah. really that pivot that I talked about. I think it's important. I mean, as a marketing person, you you can really be that tip of the spear mouthpiece for your organization. Um, if you're if you're willing and you want to, as they say in Mission Impossible, if 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 you accept that mission, um, I think it's a it's an opportunity that you can really drive a lot of value for your organization. But um, from a private sector specifically, as a private sector entity. I know at Sokir, we believe it's a responsibility, especially in a field like digital identity, where there's a, not a lot of education that happens on it. And there's not a lot of knowledge base, especially within uh, government, because the technology is newer. I think that's the other thing is technology moves at such a pace that to be able to keep up, it's a full time job. And some of these people have really important missions. I mean, when you look at when you look at some of the programs I mentioned uh, at the at the top of this show, Think about unemployment insurance during the pandemic. You have some of these leaders that their whole job is really to make sure that they're getting money into the hands of the right people that are struggling. So, I mean, for them, it's a matter of literally, are they putting food on the table for their families? So as a government leader, they take that very seriously, but there's a lot of fraud that happens, right? That those types of programs that can be very well funded at times, especially during the pandemic can be targets for, uh, for thieves that want to go and commit identity fraud to take that money. And how do you, get that money to the right people, accomplish that mission and do so without mitigating fraud. That's a really hard thing to do. Um, and some of the people that are trying to take that money are are really keeping up with those technologies. But it's really difficult for government leaders to do that. So again, that's why I go back to the fact that it's a responsibility for the private sector to help these leaders, educate these leaders on what's out there, what can be done and bring some of those best practices from uh, from commercial use cases to bear. So at SoCure, we work with some of the top banks in the world um, and we wanna make sure we're showing them, hey, this is what some of these top banks are doing and this is how they're mitigating fraud in a way that no other company is doing. And we can really help you leveraging these technologies like AI, like ML. Um, one of the things that we say, and it's actually, uh, it's actually really true is machine speed attacks require machine speed responses. So are you bringing the right technologies to bear to combat some of those things. Um, so it's it's really important. As a marketer, again, like I said, you're tip of the spear. You are you can be that education mouthpiece. Um, and I take that role uh, very seriously. Nice, nice, awesome, awesome. Uh, you mentioned a few times about fraud. And uh, you mean like um, if you see uh, some part of fraud, I don't know, or anything like that, I mean like you can help to market people uh, about possibilities of getting this fraud. Uh, can you provide more insights about that? Sure, absolutely. So, um, I mean, one of the things that I've used, um, and and I think, I think you you might have put this out there is um, I do host a podcast called the Government Huddle, 
and bring on government leaders and we talk about things. Fraud happens to be one of them. There's a lot of different things we cover. Anything that as a government leader, especially in technology, anything from leadership, workforce, policy, et cetera, um, we cover it. But on one of my most recent episodes, I had uh, a gentleman by the name of Brett Johnson, um, who is a former uh, Secret Service Most Wanted. He literally uh, invented um, tax fraud uh, through the IRS. Um, he created what the dark web now, that organizational um, landscape that, that's now used in the dark web. So he's one of the most well-known criminal, cyber criminals in the entire world. Um, he now works with government to help them uh, mitigate those same things, right? He's reformed, as he'll say. Um, and bringing those type of stories to government leaders is important, but also showing the landscape of fraud, right? If you can imagine being a government leader, you're going to want to know whether it's what other countries are seeing, what other states, I mean, we're, if we're talking about the United States, if I'm in a certain state, I wanna know what the other 49 states are seeing fraud-wise. So when you when you look at the value that marketing can bring, we're building reports, we're doing research, and we're bringing that type of information to these government leaders to show them all the different trends happening. These are the type of technologies that are coming at you. These are the hotspots that we're seeing, and you your locality or your state might be in one of those hotspots, and these are the type of attacks that we're seeing. So again, as, as a marketer, you can be very, very valuable to some of these government leaders if you if you really have the right information and get it to the right right hands, for sure. Yeah, nice, yeah. And uh, you remind me of this movie, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, I don't remember. Catch me if you can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep. <laughs> yeah something similar um okay uh brian can you tell how to craft the right strategy especially considering that um, in government or any other officials you need to uh, to bring uh some valuable insights to someone yeah. who can transfer to other people because it's not simple you know to uh i don't know like to decide anything, even if it's valuable, you need to convince uh, someone who can convince others. So can you tell your methods how to craft the strategy that uh, people who might not know marketing need to accept and uh, transfer this data to others? Storytelling is is the first thing that pops into my head and you have to relate to people, right? Mm -hmm. I, I I thought I think about this all the time and I do a lot of mentoring for for um, a lot of public sector marketers through either government marketing university, also my my board role at University of South Florida School of Business. And one of the things that I've done is I love I love comedians. I love comedy. But the thing that I think about is why is it that if I watch someone like Kevin Hart and I walk away, I can remember the same story that made me laugh weeks months afterwards and i try to recite it even though i'm, I'm a terrible story, joke teller uh I, I can i can recite the joke and i remember the punchline and it's hilarious to me um so i would literally i mean i'm a huge sports fan and just like professional athletes will sit and watch film i would sit and try to deconstruct comedians and how they're telling stories because i want to know how they got from a to z and make it memorable right and i think that's exactly what we're trying to do and i think Another one of those secrets, if, if that's really what we're trying to get to at the heart of the show, is make it a make it relatable to the person. Understand your audience. And I know when Kevin, Kevin Hart stands on stage or any comedian stands on stage, they generally know the type of people that are coming to their shows. And they can make those jokes and, and those stories relatable 
to those people. And I think you need to understand your audience and, and segment that audience and tell the story that's really going to impact them, whether it's the use case, whether it's the outcome, take them from the beginning to the end and, and make it personal and make it relatable. And that's that to me has really been a game changer in kind of how I've approached content development um, and, and trying to relate to the people I'm trying to engage. Yeah, nice. And how you collect data about your audience? Because I, I still see when companies use uh, online studies, uh, tools, but uh, you can't get great results without uh, using uh, traditional methods to speak with customers, to spend time uh, with them, to learn their sure. uh, behavior. So tell your methods how to collect data. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably not fair. I have a little bit of a cheat code. I mean, I, I go and talk to them through my podcast. So mm -hmm. I will go and have conversations with uh, the CIO for U.S. Department of Justice or, um, I mean, I've, I've had it with global leaders, the CIO for the, the country of Ireland or for the, the country of, of Ukraine. I mean, I've had, these, I've had these conversations with people and I ask them those questions. I want to I dig into their pain points. The other, and this is probably even more important, is... You, you have to just listen, right? I think people will tell you, I mean, part of what government leaders look to do is they, they understand that it's important for the private sector to help and support their mission. And as such, they see it just as, just as we do on the private sector side, see it as a responsibility. I, I think public sector leaders will tell you they see it as a responsibility to help educate the commercial market to help them understand what they're trying to do. Um, so, so they can relate to them and they can help them accomplish their mission faster and with better results. I, I think that's, that's a really important thing that people forget. It's just a listen, um, mm -hmm. just, just be quiet. And it's, it's a problem for me. Sometimes I, I have a podcast. I'd like to talk and I, I like to engage with people. Um, but I've been very intentional about sitting back, asking a question and just letting people talk. And it's, it's been hugely beneficial. Nice. Nice. Um, I want to be honest. Um, I, I love listening to podcasts. I, I love listening so much. Um, I think uh, books are the best format. And yeah, oh yeah, me too. Are, yeah, but podcasts are on the same second uh, stage. But, um, you know, uh, I have no time to listen uh, all great podcasts. I, I can listen a teeny percent of all great podcasts because uh, only 24 hours a day, many other things to do. So I usually need strong reason to listen uh, a new podcast. Uh, and I think my audience is on the same boat. So can you give uh, what uh, this strong reason to me and to my audience? What kind of benefits we can get by listening to your podcast? That's a great question, obviously, and selfishly, I'll, I'll answer it. Um, I mean, first of all, I'll be, I'll be totally honest. Um, I, I try to bring content that I think it would be important to a lot of people. Um, but if you're in the government market, I think it, you're, you're going to get the most out of it. But when I say I try to bring content to all, all different people, it's because I try to cover topics that aren't just specific to government and they have government application. So while I will interview CIOs, government leaders, some of the questions that I'll ask beyond just their priorities and pain points, et cetera, is things around their their career and kind of leadership habits. Um, I've also brought on people that have been uh, at senior leadership roles or professional athletes to talk about leadership. Because if it, for me, whether I'm working in the private sector, whether I'm working in government, no matter what industry I'm in, I'm always trying to get better, right? I'm trying to hone and strengthen my growth mindset. And if I can listen to 
other people talk about the things that have made them better throughout their career, um, challenges they've overcome. I think that's really important. And that's something that I try to really drive um, through my podcast. And it's also very topical too. I try to really hit on things that are, are relevant um, to, to what's happening. So I think that's, uh, I mean, those are just a couple of things. But like I said, if, if you're in the government space, um, especially the government technology space, I think you you should definitely give it a listen. But even if you're not, there's a lot of episodes in there. Um, there's there's 132 episodes, I think, as of right now. It's wow. been going for a couple of years. Um, so I think there's a few episodes in there that I think you will get a lot of value out of, especially a, a couple of former Navy SEALs that talk about leadership in their career across the military, things they've learned through failure and things they've learned through success, um, how to deal with success. Um, a lot of different topics that I'm really passionate about that I'm, I'm hoping other people are too. Um, and yeah, but give it a listen. It's governmenthuddle.com is where you can access it. Nice. Guys, you can find the link in the description below. And uh, I, I agree about failure, uh, you know, uh, because, you know, uh, if I start anything new, I, I always fail without any exception. I, I studied PR. I failed. Yeah. I, I I wrote a bunch of press releases. I pitched all of them. I got zero mentions, zero results, nothing. But I learned how it works. Then uh, we uh, explained to our specialists who can craft content for our blog. And many of them can write for Forbes, Investopedia, big websites. And we uh, explain them, look at we need to use a different format. It's not like to uh, create evergreen content. It's more about to bring something new about trending topics, uh, to share your opinion. Uh, and uh, I, if I remember correctly, I like spent six months to get first result. Six months. Then uh, after that, we uh, improved uh, a little bit uh, with each press releases. And to get uh, today, today we get mentions on CNN, Bloomberg, Business Insider, Investing.com. Uh, and it's interesting about that. Uh, we paid six thousand dollars for one press release to write and pitch. Today we uh, uh, we usually pitch twelve press releases a week, so it's like seventy-two thousand dollars, you know, to save money in one week. Uh, and it's because of failing. When you fail, you can learn, you can craft your skills, especially in marketing. One hundred percent. Yeah. How you can beat others without experience? It, it, it's not only about uh, learning anything it's more about let me, practice yeah let me flip the script on you a little bit this is my this is my podcast host nature let me ask you a question was there a moment during that whole process where it all of a sudden clicked for you where you realized this like i've been doing it all wrong and i needed to be focusing here and you've gotten even more results across that uh i think yes uh, you know uh i mean like uh if you start anything uh it's okay to, uh, I mean, like to do something for the sake of doing. Um, I disagree when someone can tell you need to bring value. You need to uh, create uh, super high quality content. How you can do it without experience? You can't. And I like approach from Mr. Beast when he said that uh, you need to film a hundred bad videos. You, you can create a great video without experience. But if you film a hundred bad videos, you can improve a little bit step by step video by video and it's the same with pr i wrote a hundred bad press releases <laughs> uh, really bad press releases but i learned um, 
with each press release to pitch to find right journalists to change approach to test different formats and uh, we couldn't get results uh, from cnn bloomberg just uh, because uh, i don't know uh, even in three months uh, but when we learn the process when we crafted we when we uh, i mean like when we spend so much time on that um, yeah we got results we got great results even better than pr agency can provide for six thousand dollars because pr agency usually um, is hiring uh, journalists but we hire mm -hmm. uh, experts in specific well, niche. It, mm -hmm. Well, I would say, and, and what you just described is exactly what I think is it, people will start doing things looking only at the outcome. And I think yeah. that to me is kind of how I've started. What is the outcome, right? And what I found is no matter what you do, you're going to get to that outcome. And then there's going to be a next thing. There's always yeah. going to be a next thing. If you can't fall in love with the process, then it's not going to work for you. And we talked at the very beginning about loving. I, I, I love this career. I love, I love what I'm doing, but I love the process, right? And the of process course. is hard. So it's going to be hard whether you love it or not, but you have to love it to really want to hit that outcome and go to the next thing and the next thing. And a lot of things have taught me that, but it's just, it's really important that you're not just saying, oh, I just need to get here. There is no just top of the mountain because you're going to get to the top of the mountain and there's going to be another mountain. You're going to have to go down. You're going to go have to yeah. go back up again. There is no, there is no top and there is no stop. And that to me is really important. That was game changing in my career. And, and frankly, in my life, when you just, whatever you're doing, just fall in love with that process. And that is what will drive you. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. I think, uh, and I remember I started one project because of chasing money. So basically I found a market gap. So I decided to fill this gap. We hired a big team, a lot of experts in this niche. Uh, we spent three years. Even I wasted uh, three years. Uh, then um, I gave up. And for me, it's not a bad idea to give up if you made a wrong choice. So basically, mm -hmm. I chased money. But at that time, I hated Monday. I love Friday and got it. No, no, no. I can't go ahead like this. It's better to leave it, to find something else. And today... If I don't like something, it's better to leave. It's better to choose something else. Uh, in digital marketing, you can find many different directions. And, you know, it's the main reason why I disagree when someone can tell you need to find where your audience is. Of course, it's important to know where your audience is. But for me, it's better to find where you like to create content, where you enjoy your time. For example, I, I dislike Instagram. My wife loves Instagram. My son loves TikTok. I like LinkedIn, so I can spend time on LinkedIn. Even if I have my audience on different social media, I will still bring content to LinkedIn because I love this social media. Uh, I like to consume this content. And um, I, I see when content creators give up because of finding where their audience is, but uh, when they don't like the social media. You can find your audience for B2B on TikTok, you can find B2C on LinkedIn. <laughs> Today, billion people uh, are on all social media, but you need to craft your content and to yeah. stand out from the rest. So, yeah. Well, and and, and what, what you just did was, I mean, you basically gave an advertisement for why it's so important to diversify your platforms, right? Yeah. So for me, I mean, it's a little bit, it's a little bit less, right? When I focus on government, there's not a lot of people, I mean, for, for a multitude of reasons, not the least of which is, is compliance, but... Um, there's not a lot of people in my 
in my audience segment that are on TikTok, or at least mm -hmm. are looking for messages from me on TikTok, right? But there's other platforms that they're on um, that we can engage them with. There is LinkedIn, there is Twitter, um, and there's others. But I'm not targeting them on Facebook and, and Instagram and, and others because it's just not where they want to consume content. Um, yeah. But the other thing that I also do is I, I remember that at the end of the day, they're people too. So we're, uh, yes, I, I love, I love being in the government technology space. I will look at what other people are putting out. I will download reports. I will read those things. And I think because that's my habit, where am I finding these things? So every once in a while, if I'm on Facebook and there's an ad on there for a white paper from a company, I might click on it and I might read it. So I think remember, remembering human habits, I mean, you don't want to allocate a multitude or I wouldn't at least allocate a multitude of my budget to Facebook or Instagram. Right. But maybe it's worth trying a little bit to see what's out there. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'll tell you full disclosure. I don't right now. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it's important to diversify the different platforms, yeah. media outlets, um, the types of content that you're building. All of the diversification is really, really important. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, Brian, I want to ask more about storytelling. You mentioned that you craft your stories for governments. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I, I love this format, but I see when companies create boring stories, uh, <laughs> people can live fast. Uh, and um, uh, I spoke with uh, many great experts who told me um, it's important to create non-boring story. For example, when I spoke with Jim Edwards, he started on Business Insider when uh, for, uh, completely from scratch. Then company was sold for five, $500 million. Yeah, good money. And uh, he told me that success of Business Insider depends on creating non-boring content. B2B business, boring, but uh, Business Insider formed the way how to create uh, some content that people want to consume. And users uh, are impatient. You can bring value, but if it's boring, people leave it. Nobody cares about your story. Can you tell how you craft your story for governments, for uh, this specific people? Uh, they are still people, but uh, they have own interest. <laughs> sure. I, I mean, I, I'll, I'll answer that a couple of things. And this is where this is where storytelling is important because you started asking that question and my brain sort of bifurcated in all different areas because there's so many things that I want to say around this. Um, the first of which is kind of pulling back exactly what we talked about. If you're passionate about something, it's not boring. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up as a soccer player and I, I played soccer my entire life. Um, I still love soccer to this day. I played, I played in college, played professionally. And when I was a kid, I had an old VHS tape and I, I mean, I'm hoping some of the listeners know what a VHS tape is, but I had an old VHS tape of just very basic training drills. And I watched it on repeat over and over and over again. There's a lot of people out there that would say that sounds really boring, but for yeah. me, it wasn't. Every day, I felt like I found a new piece of something that I could take from that. So I think under, this is why it's so important to find that audience, right? Or at least know who your audience is. It doesn't have to be the, the exact one person, but know the people that are going to care about those types of things. I think, I think that's really, really important. Um, and then second, understand and relate to that audience, right? You, you said it. I said it. They're all humans. Um, every, most of the people... I, I want to say most of the people within my audience segment in the public sector are in there for a very specific reason. Um, if you're in government, you're not in it because you're making millions and millions of dollars. 
right? You, you, you're generally making less than uh, somebody that is working and doing this very similar role in the private sector. You're not any less talented. In fact, I've, I've found that a lot of people in public sector are more talented, but they're doing it because they have a calling for public service. So because of that, they, they want to accomplish that mission and you want to give them things that are going to help them be successful because not only are they trying to accomplish their mission, but they're also human in that they have a career and they would like to move up in that career too. So if they're successful, they can elevate. So if I'm, if I'm in a certain role, um, I'm going to be looking for things that are pertaining to the mission that I have. Right. And I'm looking for things that are going to make me successful use cases. What have other people done? How can I tell stories of other groups that we've worked with that, that relate to the problem that I have now and they accomplished that challenge or that, that, obstacle and are now successful. I think that's vitally important. Um, and then as part of that story, this is something that is a, a little bit of a pet peeve of mine, giving that like perfect story, right? We started at A and it was just a smooth glide and implementation was easy. And we got to the end and we saw all these, all this ROI. And it was, it was just perfect, right? That's not reality. I remember when I was a kid, I, so I, I'm an English history guy. My wife is a, a, a math science person and I lean on her heavily for that stuff. She, she's passionate. In fact, she's a, a STEM educator. And we, we joke around this all the time about, about the differences there. But I remember being in, in elementary school, high school. And, and it, do you remember those textbooks that they would have? That they would have all the problems that you need to, to go through. But there's, there would always be one or two practice problems at the beginning. Yeah. And the thing that used to drive me crazy is the practice problems they would give you, which we can call use cases, were always the easiest to, to solve. I would look at that yeah. and say, yeah, of course I can do that one. But what about number 37 over here? That won't answer number 37. Show me a really hard one. I want to see what reality looks like. And for me, that's exactly what I'm, I'm thinking my customers want. They want to see what what does reality look like. We're not we're not assuming that if we procure your solution, it's going to be perfect. We're assuming that it's going to say it, it, it or it's going to do what you say it's going to do, right? We're assuming we're going to get positive ROI out of it, which is exactly why we're looking to bring you into the the enterprise. But we're not thinking it's just going to be this like silver bullet flip the switch. So don't sell us on that. Show us what reality looks like, and then we can make a decision. And say, yeah, you know what. We can accept that to get to this. And I think that's really important. So as you're telling that story, and, and this is to any marketer listening out there, as you're telling that story, don't feel like you have to give the Disney princess version of, of what a customer is looking to see. Give them reality. And that to me has been game changing and kind of the, talking to people, relating to people most importantly, and being believable, honestly. I think that's, that's really, really key. Nice, nice. So valuable. Uh, you mentioned about soccer, your passion, uh, and I love soccer oh, yeah. as well. Uh, and uh, I I play soccer uh, each Sunday with my what friends. Team, what team do you support? Uh, you know, um, I, I like Barcelona, but uh, today I can't say that I'm big fan of watching all these soccer games. But be, uh, yeah, a few years ago, I watch a lot today. I has 
I have less time you know, to watch these games, but anyway, um, yeah, I prefer to read books, but uh, I remember when I was younger, I watched a lot of games, Barcelona, uh, Real Madrid, uh, Dynamo Kiev, you know, uh, many great teams. And uh, uh, Brian, I want to ask about uh, practice. You mentioned about practice. And uh, I think Leo Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo prefer to hit the ball thousand times a day than to read a few books how to play soccer. I think it's the same with marketing. You need to make your hands dirty. You need to uh, yeah. spend time uh, with practice. And I can sacrifice learning because of practice. I know I get the best results from practice. I still see when people overlearn. Uh, I don't like overlearning uh, because uh, we have short memory. We can forget about new insights for a few days i can forget for a few hours you know if, yeah, and it's important to practice can you tell your ratio you mentioned that you love reading books you listen to podcasts but you practice more can you tell your ratio between uh, learning and uh, practice it's so yeah i mean again bifurcating thoughts um i was my son just turned 10 and and the other day we were downstairs and and he's he's really loving soccer too and he's been playing it and I'm trying to help him and, and help him understand how to strike the ball differently and, and the different ways it can come off your foot. And he'll hit a ball and it'll, it'll, it'll go exactly where you want to do. And he'll look up at me kind of like, Oh, I did it. And I, I'd say, stop. All right. Remember how that felt. Remember the feeling, the sensation on your foot and now try to replicate it. And to me, that's, that's the same, right? You mentioned, you mentioned those great players. Um, it's all repetition, right? It's yeah. all, muscle memory it, it's building that repetition you don't just hit it once and say okay i'm good i figured it out no you you do that until you can't get it wrong it's not it's not do it till you get it right do it till you can't get it wrong and i think you can't do all of that without failing i know you touched touched on that earlier you have to be willing to try you have to be willing to put yourself out there you have to be willing to do different things outside of your comfort zone and and have it not go right right? Land on your face a few times because what you'll find is either ways to take that same thing and make it successful, or, or you're going to find exactly what Thomas Edison found. You're going to find thousands of ways to not yeah. do it, but you're going to get to that right one that works really, really well. And you're going to get there. Hopefully it doesn't take you thousands of times, but we're also not trying to reinvent the light bulb, right? Yeah. And, and I also think, I mean, it just being willing to put yourself out there is so important. Um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, geek out a little bit about a, a compliance program in government, but it just hopefully this will help tell the story. And um, it, as a lot of these companies are moving to the cloud or, or governments are moving to the cloud, companies are trying to help them uh, evolve and, and move into the cloud as well. And one of the biggest issues that government leaders have, and this is something that I deal with on a day-to-day -day basis or have, um, is the security around, around cloud. So like government does, they build compliance programs to give them peace of mind and assurance that when they do move to the cloud, that their boundaries are secure, right? A lot of government leaders will tell you, the last thing we want to do is, is lose PII on their citizens, right? End up on the front page of the newspaper. So they build these type of compliance measures to make sure that happens. Um, one of the ones that's out there, and, and there's a few, if you look at global governments, uh, there's things like IRAP in, in Australia or Protected Bee up in Canada. But in the United States, there's something called FedRAMP, which is what a company, a private sector company has to go through to be able to assure the government that you are 
not a risky product to bring into their enterprise, right? And it's not just saying, hey, we did it. It's it's going through a whole process. You literally have to go through and remediate a bunch of controls, get deployed onto their platform. They give you an authority to operate within their boundary, et cetera. That's the geeky stuff. And I apologize to anybody listening. Um, but the reason why that's important is that process is really difficult, right? And it's a lot, it takes a lot of money, a lot of time, blood, sweat, and tears, as they say. And until you've gone through it a few times to get the bumps and bruises, scars, scrapes that, that help you learn that process, you really don't understand it. Somebody can stand over there and they can tell you what to expect and how it's going to go and what to look out for and all of that. But that does not give you the experience of going through it. And it's just a long way of saying, uh, you, you have to really put yourself out there. You have to be willing to walk through and do those things to gain the experience, to gain the confidence, frankly, to be able to move forward. And I think that's a really important element to what we as marketers really need to embrace is, again, putting yourself out there, being willing to fail, but but learning from it each time and then getting stronger and better. I mean, I, I've been in this industry for 20 years in the public sector. And when I think back of the things that I thought I knew that I just didn't know, even a few years ago, let alone 20 years ago, it's insane. And I think that type of growth trajectory is really important. And staying on that trajectory is really important. You can't do that without being willing to, to get in there and roll up your sleeves and really uh, dig in the dirt. Yeah, nice volleyball encouragement. Uh, Brian, I still have two questions left, but I basically I have a lot of questions, but uh, I'm going to follow you. I recommend to anyone to follow Brian uh, on LinkedIn because I see you're active there to share valuable insights. Uh, I recommend to anyone uh, to listen uh, to your podcast. And um, I, I want to ask uh, uh, about your experience. I mean, like, I... Uh, I usually get good results with uh, clients who understand what I do. Uh, I mean, like, uh, for example, if I get a new customer who have, you know, who has no idea how it works, why we need to create high-quality content, why it's important to think more about uh, traffic value than getting more traffic and uh, similar insights, I usually tell them, take my course, learn on Google, learn on YouTube, read books, get the basic. If you understand the basic, then you can cooperate with any great experts. Uh, and I have students in my, in my network who are looking for ways to learn from scratch, especially today when we have AI, technologies are coming fast. We need to adapt to, uh, to such technologies. Uh, so my main question to you, uh, I mean, like if you started today from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills, it's your first day in marketing. Um, uh, what will you do if you do anything from scratch? I, I mean, first one is I think you need to set your expectations, right? I think there's a lot of people and, and I will full disclosure, me included. I, I came out of college, I jumped into my career and I just wanted to know and learn and be successful immediately. Just give me everything. I can handle it. I know what I'm doing. Just let me go. And I think managing those types of expectations for yourself is really important. Um, it's, I mean, I'm a, I'm a runner. I, I love running, run, run marathons and, and constantly remember it's a marathon, not a sprint. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think managing that expectation is really important. I I'll, I'll, when I, I'll talk to some government folks and I'll say, it's really important to understand you have to crawl, walk, run, 
right? AI is a great example. Last year was the year of AI. It doesn't mean every single government out there should just go in and just give me all the AI I can. That is the, that is the problem solver that I've been looking for. No, it's crawl, walk, run. Test a little bit of it out in, in small factions of your organization. See which, which can work for you, which can't work for you. Um, and start to metastasize from there, right? So crawl, walk, run. I think that's important. And I think that's the same advice I would give to anyone that's starting their career in this space is have the expectation that you're not going to know what you don't know and look to crawl, walk, run into more experience. I think that's that's really important. Like we just talked about, test things out. And if they work, great. If they don't, throw it away, move on to the next yeah. thing. And if the ones that work, save, hold on to. The other ones, be willing to throw away and move on to the next thing. I think that's that to me is has been been really, really important. And then the second, I, I touched on this before, and I'm going to say it again because it, it feels like if there is literally any secret, I mean, we're talking about unveiling secrets to marketing. If there is a secret, it's going to be this. Ready? Yeah. Listen. Just be willing to listen to people. Whether, whether they're wrong, whether they're right, be willing to listen to people. Hear what they have to say. Hear hear their point of view, because eventually you're gonna. You might have there. There might be one person that that is right right now, one person that's wrong, and you might end up at from option A and B. You might end up at C at an orientation that's that's uh, an amalgamation of the two. Just be willing to listen to people. I think that's that's so vitally important because without that skill set, it's it's really going to be a struggle to kind of advance. Right? We all every single one of us don't know everything and we learn from other people. And I think that to me has been, I mean, you talked about, you talked about listening to, to books, talked about podcasts and I love listening to books. I love, I love podcasts, but I love having conversations with people. It's one of the reasons why uh, the podcast was created in the first place was to be able to have conversations with people, be able to ask them probing questions and get insights from people far smarter than me. Um, so be willing to listen and be willing to ask questions of people that you think might be too busy. I promise you they're not. They will find time. So find people that are willing to give you that information and, and ask. I think that's ask and listen. That's That to me is a huge, huge takeaway, huge secret to, to a lot of this. It's beyond just marketing. Nice. Yeah, I love the secret. And Brian, my final question about your daily routine. You mentioned you can help your son to craft uh, soccer skills. You need to handle your business, uh, to cooperate with governments. You need to think about family. You need to learn, read books, listen to podcasts, many things, many things. And it's tough uh, if you need to do it daily. Yeah, I think it's important to optimize. And uh, we have a lot of things to do. And for me, it's important to prioritize or delegate or just forget. We can't do anything. It's just 24 hours a day. But Elon Musk has the same time <laughs> every single day. So uh, can you tell about your daily routine, how your uh, day usually starts and uh, anything that can help our listeners to optimize their days? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've always been a morning person. I've always mm -hmm. liked to wake up in the morning early and, and get into things. Um, one of the game changers for me is I remember, I mean, we talk about reading books. One of the, one of the books that, um, that I love is called extreme ownership. And one of the things they talk about is there, there is only 24 hours in a day, right? I think that's really, really important. Um, so if you want more time, you have to manufacture that time, right? You have to wake up earlier. 
right? Or stay up later, wherever it is, wherever you can do that. Um, for me, I'm usually up at 4.30 in the morning. Um, I'm working out. I'm trying to get a workout in. I'm trying to to get out and whether walk or run or whatever it is. And that's where I can take time to listen to podcasts and books. Um, the other piece of that too is I try to, the reason why the morning is so important is because my kids aren't up, right? Mm -hmm. So I can wake up before my kids are up. So I'm not sacrificing time with them, but I'm also being able to take time for myself and start my day out right. So I think that's really important. Now it's easier said than done. I've gotten into a routine where, where that works for me. Um, I also go to bed a little earlier. I try to be in bed by like 9.30. Uh, and mm -hmm. asleep, if I can, I can pass out right away, which is also really uh, a, a skill set that my wife wishes she had. Um, but I think, it, yes, you need sleep. But I think if you can manufacture that time on the front end and give yourself, steal an hour, right? Mm -hmm. Steal two hours. That, that's, imagine what that gives you. In a week, that's, let's say a work week, that's 10 extra hours of a week. Imagine what you could do with 10 hours in a week, yeah, right? That's, that's cool. 40 hours in a month. Yeah. That's, that's an entire working, that's an entire working week. If you just wake up and, and accomplish those things. So, and then it's going to, it's going to change your mindset too. I will tell you if, if for some reason I'm not able to get a workout in, in the morning, it, it hangs over my head. So starting mm -hmm. my day out in a positive way like that is really helpful. And I know I sound like any other article written in any other magazine, but it's something that I've been doing since I was really young and it's been really, really beneficial for me. And I think getting out and, and trying to, multitask, right? Listening to a podcast, listening, listening to an audible while, while being out and, and working out or doing those things, I think is, is really important. But I also too, and this is another thing. And if you can see behind me, my, I have a sign that says family is everything. And for me, I walk yeah. into my office every day and I see that. Um, I know, I think when you don't have conflicting priorities, that really makes it easy. I know what my priorities are. So be willing to say, this is priority one, this is priority two, this is priority three, and align to those. And it, it makes decision-making very, very easy. It takes the stress out of it. If it conflicts with knowing that I'm putting my family first, then it's just not something that I'm going to do, right? Um, and I think when you take that type of stress out of your life, when you, when you add in positive things, and that's, that's an everyday thing, right? Everybody has stresses around, around those things. Um, I think that makes it very, very helpful. So that's that's really how I start my day off. Um, I don't I don't want to say like I wake up and the first thing I don't do is pick up my phone because that would be a lie. Like I do, I I, I do ro roll over at four thirty and the first thing I do is check and see did I miss something that came in late last night because I do like to go to bed earlier. Um, a, a bad habit of mine is if I wake up in the middle of the night at like one thirty or two a.m. I'll look at my phone and there's sometimes where something came in and I just can't get back to sleep and I'll go down to my office and I'll start working. And that's not a great habit, but, um, but routinely that's generally what my, what my day looks like. I, there are things I need to get better at picking up my phone first thing in the morning is probably one of those things. Um, there's, there's probably a lot of things, right. But that, I know that's one of them that I wish I was better, uh, better at, but it's just, as of right now, it's not, not where I'm at. <laughs> Yeah, nice. Yeah, I love it. By the way, I usually take my phone too in the morning. I know it's a bad habit, but um, I uh, cooperate with people globally. I'm hiring people in India, Pakistan, Ukraine, US, uh, around the world. And uh, it's tough for me to skip uh, replying to all these emails, uh, messages uh, in the morning, because if I can't help them, uh, some processes can stop. 
So it's part of the process. I usually start with replying to all yep. questions. I, I want to read books. I want to read books, but uh, because of this global stuff, I need to do it this one. But uh, yeah, I keep reading books in the evening, in another time. Uh, Brian, it's a big pleasure to get on my show, to learn from you. It's fun, so valuable. I recommend to anyone to listen to your podcast, to follow you. Tell the best way how to keep learning from you, how to reach out to you, how to follow you. Yeah, sure. I mean, you can you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm there. Like I said, I one of the things that I do um, when I get down to my office in the morning is I like to read read articles, right, to stay stay sharp on what's happening in the industry. I have I have a couple saved searches on Google that I like to get into. So um, when I find something that resonates with me, um, I'll usually uh, I usually share it out, give my opinions on it, um, and then and then my podcast. Like I, like I said, uh, you you can kind of hit me up at governmenthuddle.com. Um, you can access all my, uh, my articles there. Also my, uh, my part, my podcast, but, um, yeah, if, if there's, uh, if there's an episode that resonates with you, please, you, my email address is on LinkedIn, um, or you can, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I, I love having conversations with the folks. So, um, please do that. Let me know which one resonates with you. Let, let me know why I would love to love to talk about it. Nice. Nice guys. You can find links in the description below. Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. Love it. So valuable. You know how to share valuable insights, how to bring this value. I recommend to anyone to follow Brian on LinkedIn, uh, uh, to read uh, blog uh, and listen to podcasts because you can see a lot of valuable insights. Okay. Love you. See you. Thanks for tuning in to Unmiss. Enjoyed the show? Drop us a review on your favorite platform and help us spread the digital marketing wisdom. See you next episode.